Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway North Church based out of Winnipeg, Canada. Your Sunday sermon, any day of the week. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. My name is Peter. I'm the pastor here at Gateway North. You know, when you drive by that building, I don't know what you think, um, but I've had a number of people uh, from the RM right from the beginning who saw the plans and then people who've come by uh, to our house or whatever over the last little while. Um, and they're saying, you know, that's going to be a beautiful building. And it really is. It's going to be a lovely building. It's going to be a beautiful building. And if you get a chance to get around it, come on Wednesday and come and see it. I think you'll agree with that as well. But I want to speak to you today about the most beautiful building on earth. And it's not that building. We want that building to be nice. But we're part of building something else. And I want to suggest to you this morning that what we're part of building is the most beautiful building on earth. And if you've got a Bible with me, I want you to turn to Hebrews, to Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to read some verses out of Hebrews together. So Hebrews chapter 3, beginning to read at verse 1. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. You know, in the Bible, there's a number of different versions of God's house. God's house was a tent in the wilderness. God's house was a tent in Jerusalem that David had. God's house was a magnificent temple that Solomon built. And God's house was even there, another version of it, that was built by the exiles that came back from Babylon when Jesus was walking the earth. They were magnificent buildings and magnificent places where God dwelt by his presence. But however beautiful and incredible those buildings were, they are not in the same league as what is being built today. They are a shadow of what was to come. What is being built today is the most beautiful building on earth. And I'm going to explain to you this morning why I believe that's true. And the first reason is this. It's because it is built by the best builder in the business. It's built by the best builder in the business. Let's look at what it says here in Hebrews chapter 3. It says at the end there, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. God is faithful. Christ is faithful 
over God's house as a son. It's the most beautiful building on earth because it has the best builder in the business. Moses' tabernacle, as I said, was incredible. Moses was given the design from heaven. He built it according to the design. God's anointing came on craftsmen, Bezalel, Aholiab, people like that. And they crafted the most beautiful things out of gold and silver. It would have been the most incredible tent you've ever seen. With the most incredible ornate furnishings in it that you would ever have seen. But Moses is just a servant in God's house. Christopher Wren, Sir Christopher Wren, was a famous architect, scientist, mathematician in England in the 18th century, in the early 1700s. Most famous for all the church buildings and the worship places that he made. He designed and built 53 in London alone. And the most famous being St. Paul's Cathedral, which is the big domed cathedral you have in Mary Poppins and various other movies that you see. Amazing architecture. So Christopher Wren said, architecture aims at eternity. What he was building was not just so that we could look at it and say, aren't we great at what we build? He wanted to build something that looked beyond what was on earth to what is eternal, something else. To lift the spirits of men and women to think beyond the mundane lives or the lives that they were living, that there is something beyond. Architecture aims at eternity, is what he says. And Christopher Wren built amazing places that catch your breath. But he was a man of earth that was aiming for eternity. Our man, our builder is a man of heaven who is aiming to bring heaven to earth. Moses was just a servant in the house. Christopher Wren was just a servant in the house. But Jesus is found greater than those because he is faithful over God's house as a son. The son of God. Who comes from heaven to bring heaven to earth. He's not of the earth trying to reach heaven. He's bringing heaven to earth. And all the beautiful things that were built on the earth, built on the tabernacle, built in the temple, they were just copies. If you read on in Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 9 will tell you, they're just copies, however beautiful they are. They're copies of something else. They're copies of a beauty that you cannot find just on earth by itself. They're copies of what is in heaven itself. The most beautiful building on earth is not being built by earthly people trying to reach into heaven. It is being built by the man from heaven who is bringing the treasures of heaven to this earth. He is building this house, this house for God. And it's not a copy of what is in heaven. It is the real deal. Why is this building the most beautiful building on earth? Because it's being built by the best builder on the planet. Because he comes down from heaven to bring the treasures of heaven with him into our world. Not only was he a son over God's house, the son of God. But we recognize that Moses 
was servant of God for a season. But Jesus is a servant and a son in God's house forever. Forever. You know, we're going through many transitions here at Gateway. And the transition of the building is just one. But it's actually not the biggest transition that we're going through. The biggest transition in many ways that we're going through is that Ron uh, McLean, after being 43 years our senior pastor, is stepping down at the end of December. That is huge. He has been here for so many years and his leadership on Mary alongside him has forged who we all are today. He's, why we're here is because God has used him and he has been found faithful in God's house. But it will just be for a season. 43 years is a pretty incredible season. Isn't it? It's amazing and we're going to celebrate that together. But those seasons come to an end and then another leader needs to step up and take things on. And in those moments, it's a little bit shaky, isn't it? Uh, is the next leader going to be able to do that? Are they going to carry the same grace, the same anointing? Okay, we're going to have three to do what Ron was doing before, which is probably as many as we need to carry everything that Ron was doing before. And uh, there'll be me with my wife, Julia, alongside me here in Gateway North. Ken with his wife, Fiona, in Gateway East. And Norm with his wife, Nikki, in Gateway South. Three for the price of one. We need all of that to carry all that Ron's been carrying all of these years. And it's a, it's a moment where there's some, you know, how is this going to work out? And then what's going to happen after that? Who's going to come and lead after all of that? These leadership places have seasons. It says Moses was a servant in God's house. He was a servant. He was there for a while. Again, he was there 40 years. It was amazing. And then he passed it on to Joshua and Joshua picked it up and carried it. But Joshua's leadership was for a season and after Joshua there came others and gradually the leadership things that they had set in place, the people got further and further and further away from them until God removed his presence from that land and from their house. Changes of leadership are shaking moments. But not in this building. Because Jesus is just not leading his house for a season. He's leading his house forever. He started leading 2,000 years ago when he came and he lived among us and he gathered his disciples and he gathered crowds of people around him who he taught and, and he, he led along the way and showed them how they should live. He began the house by laying himself down as the chief cornerstone when he died on the cross. Showing that this house is going to be built on sacrificial love. He built on that foundation with those apostles and people that we've talked about. And he released them to get on with the job and he went back to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to fill the people in his church to go on building what he's built. But Jesus did not just sit down on the throne and say, I've done my bit and that's it. Jesus is still very much the head of his church. He's the head of his house. He isn't a Jesus was the son over God's house. It's Jesus is the son over God's house. Whatever it looks like in our world today, whatever the church looks like in our world today, it has the greatest leader it could possibly have. 
And our future hope is not that all our leaders are going to be brilliant from here until when Jesus comes back, although we hope that they are and we are. But our hope is that we have a head over this body who will never fail because he's faithful over God's house and will be faithful over God's house forever. We have the best builder in the business. We're part of what he's building on the earth. Not a building over there, however nice we want that to be. That's not the building. Jesus is building something else. It's the most beautiful building on earth because it has the best builder in the business. But secondly, it's the most beautiful building on earth because of the unique nature of the material that Jesus is using. Having encouraged these Hebrews to whom he's writing, the writer to the Hebrews is telling them that Jesus is head over the house. You don't need to worry. Don't keep looking back for Moses. And let's get back to that. That was good. Where are our leaders at? He's saying, no, you have a leader. Jesus is leading you. He is overseeing the house. But then he kind of drops a bit of a bombshell on them. And it might not be a bombshell to us so much, but it would have been to them when they first read it for many of them. Because then he turns around and he says, and we are his house. Now, why is that a bombshell for them? Well, he's writing to the Hebrews. These people are Jews. And many scholars, most scholars, believe that this was written after A.D. 70. Something very incredible happened in AD 70, which is that Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans. And when Jerusalem was destroyed by the Romans, everybody was driven away. And amongst all the things they destroyed was the temple. The place that they had come to know as God's house. And even though they were Christians... And they were meeting together and enjoying God's presence in their homes and in other places. In Jerusalem anyway, they would still have been gathering together in the courts of the temple. That would have been their gathering place. And if you'd asked some of those people, where's God's house? They would have said, it's the temple. It's those bricks, it's the timber, it's the beautiful buildings. That's where we meet. That is the church. That is God's house. But it was all destroyed. It was all gone. And they don't know where their home is anymore. And if you read your way through Hebrews, it keeps cropping up again and again. You can hear the writer telling them, listen, don't go looking back. Don't try to go back to where you've come from. And don't try and rebuild what you've lost. Because the bricks and the mortar that were that amazing temple, that is not the house of God. We are. We are the people. The church is not steeples. The church is peoples. From every tribe and every nation. Joined together by Jesus Christ. And he is just preaching what Jesus himself said. Because if you'd asked Jesus, what are you building, Jesus? Jesus would have said what he said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. He said, I will build my church. 
What does that word mean? The word is ecclesia in the Greek. I was trying to think what would be a modern equivalent of the word. And you might think this is a little heretical, but just kind of flow with me for a minute. But the phrase that I came up with was flash mob. It's a flash mob. What's a flash mob? Well, if you know what a flash mob is, I quite watch, like watching some of them on YouTube every now and again. Something goes out on social media or whatever. People gather together in a place because they're responding to the call that came out on social media. And in a public place, maybe they'll, you know, sing some opera or they will do some musical or they will do something together that'll lighten up the place and bring joy to everybody. There are different types of flash mobs. The Arab Spring of a few years ago in countries where you normally can't meet together and it's, you can't go and put a notice on a wall and say we're going to meet together or whatever. On social media, it allows you to put the call out. And the call was going out on social media and suddenly people were coming from nowhere and they were gathering together at the call and for a common purpose in a public place to make themselves known. That is what ecclesia means. It is a called out people, called to a public place for a common purpose. So maybe you live in a town and you have an old farmer in the corner of the town and he suddenly decides he's going to farm pigs. Nobody's farmed pigs in this area for however many years, but he's going to farm pigs. And all of a sudden, everybody gets a little worried that the smell is going to drive away the tourists. And so a call goes out. In those days, maybe there was a notice on a wall or town crier or whatever they did. And a call goes out and says, all citizens of this town come together. We are going to talk about Farmer Giles's pigs and why he shouldn't have pigs in our community. And all those people would gather together in a public space, in a public forum, and they would talk together about their common purpose. Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia. Meaning, I'm going to call out people from all the nations of the earth. I'm going to send out a call. And I'm going to call them out and say, will you come and meet with me in a public place where you can be seen, where you can be heard, where you can be known for a common purpose, which is to see heaven come to earth in the lives of people and building together this amazing building, this glorious building, the house of God on earth. Of people's hearts have been touched by the message of hope that Jesus brings. For these Hebrew believers, we've lost, we've lost the building. The next building is taking a long time to come together. Could be a long time. What are we going to do? Where are we going to land? We're homeless. Where's God's house? The writer to the Hebrews says, we are God's house. It's right here. You think, well, these materials aren't much. No, they aren't in the eyes of the world. But they're precious to Jesus.
And he has a habit of taking broken things and building beautiful things out of them, which is what he's doing in your life and my life as he builds the most beautiful building on earth. What does that mean for us? A couple of things to take it away with us because he goes on. He says, we are his house. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, it means two things. First of all, if we want to be part of what Jesus is doing on the earth, we need to be joined. We need to be joined. He says we are. This is corporate. You and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. When I'm alone, walking around my yard, praying, whatever I'm doing, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence lives in me. But I am not in this sense God's house. Not in this sense. We are. We are. A people joined together in common purpose. Called out by Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you as a Christian. Where are you joined? Some of you have come to us. Thank you for all of those of you who filled in your survey uh, that we sent out the last little while. It's interesting. 20% of people who filled in the survey have joined Gateway North in the last two years. That's a lot of new people. Welcome. It's great to have you with us. There are more of you who might be thinking, is this where I need to be? Is this where I need to be joined? Maybe I don't need to be joined anywhere. Maybe I can just go from one place to another and, and do the smorgasbord of, of preachers on the internet. You can find better preachers on the internet than me. You really can. But where are you joined? Because if we are going to be God's house the way God wants us to be God's house, it is a people that are joined together, built together. We were reading about that a couple of weeks ago. Let me read it to you out of Ephesians chapter 2. You are no longer strangers and aliens, not just with God, but with each other. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, being joined together, being joined together, not sort of loosely cobbled together, but joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place. You corporately being built together into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. Chris mentioned we're going to be doing Gateway 100 the next two weeks. It's the same material both weeks. If you want to come to both and get a double portion, be blessed. But sign up for one or the other. If you've got a family, we might have the husband one week, the wife the next. If you need to look after your kids or whatever, it'll be about an hour after the service, for an hour after the service, uh, the next two Sunday mornings. Part of why we do that is because we want to encourage you to be joined. Either here, or if not with us, you think, no, this is not where God's joining me. Great. Let me encourage you to get joined somewhere else. But be joined. If you want to be part of what Jesus is building. 
First thing, we need to be joined. And the second thing, we need to be known and we need to be heard. Look at what he says. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. That word confidence there, you can misread it. Because you might think that word confidence means, well, that's me just being at home and I'm confident that Jesus is with me. I'm confident that I'm a child of God. I'm confident that I'm saved and I'm in my own little room and I'm confident by myself. That's what this word means. But it's not what it means. It's translated the same word in many different places in the New Testament. And it's used in different ways because it's not inward confidence. This is a confidence that shows. This is outward confidence. Let me give you some of the other ways that it's translated in the English. To speak plainly. To speak boldly. To be courageous. To be known. Don't be quiet. About who you are and what God is building. Don't just be quietly confident about it. Walk the earth with confidence in it. Go to your workplace in that confidence. Go to the mall in confidence. The gym in confidence. Of what God is doing in our lives together. We are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence. And if you think that's a little bit of a stretch, the writer goes into it double. And he said, well, if you didn't get it the first time, listen to this. And our boasting. Well, there's no guessing what that means. Boasting. It means to boast. It means to say, we've got a great thing going on here. Jesus is building something incredible. Something very special. And it's not on Capella's drive. That's a symptom of what he's doing. What he's building is here. In the gym. In the south. In the east. In all the other great gatherings of God's people in this city, in this province and around the world. Jesus is doing something spectacular. So be confident in what he's doing. Outwardly. And boast about it. You know, when I said people have come round and knocked on the door, I, when I was doing my sermon, I felt a, a little adjustment because some of these folks are, you know, the councillors or whatever, mayors, they want to get elected again. And so they come to the door and, and it's a small community, this, that everybody knows. So now they know the pastor lives on the end of Grasmere. So they knock on the door and they say, I know you can't vote yet because I can't vote yet. Um, I have to be here six months. But you, you're the pastor of the church over there, aren't you? And I just say yes. So now I'm going to have to think of another way of saying it. I am the pastor of the church, but it's not that building. It's this incredible group of people who've responded when Jesus called. And he called them out to be together, to be joined, and to be confident in who God is and what he is doing. Hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. You know, I'm bringing this thing into land. The church has taken a pasting. 
hasn't it? Media, culture, our young people. You look at the history and you think, oh my goodness, why would I want to be part of that? And we've done lots of things wrong. And we need to be prepared to get on our knees and repent. But Jesus loves his church. He always has and he always will. And we are in his hands. It all goes wrong when it gets into our hands. Have you noticed that? we got our sticky paws on it. And boy, that's trouble coming. But if we'll let Jesus do his thing, and we will serve him in what he is doing, Jesus is doing the most spectacular thing on earth through his people, the church. Jesus loves the church. Jesus is passionate about the church. Jesus doesn't have a plan B to win the world other than the church. We are his plan A and he hasn't changed. Because it's not about us and down to us and our performance. It's down to him and how brilliant he is as a builder. And the fact that he can take broken people like you and I. And he can make something splendid out of it, even out of us. Because of who he is. Brothers and sisters, I believe that we can be apologetic for the behavior of the church in the name of Jesus. And yet not apologize for being the church. Because we are bought by the blood of Jesus. Called out by the Lamb of God. To be filled with his Holy Spirit. And to fill this earth with his glory from sea to sea and from shore to shore. The church is the most beautiful building on earth. And one day people will see it for what it is. John the Apostle saw it for what it was. The book of Revelation, you read it. There's Jesus actively walking through the church in chapters 2 and 3. And if you read all the reviews Jesus is saying about this church and that church and the others, you think, oh my goodness, this is a mess. But hang on. You wade your way through those chapters to the end. And you watch what happens at the end. The most beautiful building. It's now a city. Comes down out of heaven. Glorious. And you discover that Jesus has been doing something all along. And most of the time we didn't even see it. John Newton, the great hymn writer. He wrote Amazing Grace. Beautiful He wrote, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. Beautiful hymn. In 1774, 1779, he sat down and penned another song. Let me give you two of its verses this morning. Glorious things of thee are spoken. Zion, city of our God. It's another way of talking about the church, about God's house. He whose word cannot be broken formed thee for his own abode, a dwelling place, on the rock of ages founded. What can shake thy sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, thou mayst smile at all thy foes. The last verse. Savior, 
If of Zion's city, I, you, me, through grace, a member am. Let the world deride, laugh, mock, or pity, all those poor Christians. I will glory in your name. Fading is the worldling's pleasures. All its All its boasts and pomp and show, but solid joys and lasting pleasures, none but science children know. Thank you for tuning in to the Gateway North podcast. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from God's word. To find out more about Gateway Church, head to gatewaywinnipeg.com.